Welcome to the party, pals. I'm Phil Gawthorne, action movie screenwriter. And I'm Liam Billingham, movie podcaster. And together we host Die Hard on a Blank, a podcast from Sugar23 that explores the influence of Die Hard on action cinema. In each episode, we'll talk about one major action movie that was released after Die Hard. Now, some of these movies take place on a bus. On a boat. Or even a roadhouse. Uh, sure. The point is, these are action movies that couldn't exist without Die Hard, and its DNA is everywhere. Die Hard on a Blank is a celebration of action movies and a deep dive into the ways that Die Hard shaped the action genre. So if you're a casual fan or an action movie Die Hard. Ooh, very nice. Then Die Hard on a Blank is for you. Yes, you personally. Our first two episodes, which are all about the original 1988 masterpiece Die Hard, drop December 21st, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, wherever you get your podcasts. Phil, do the line. Now we have a podcast. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Hi, everybody. It's Liam. Before we jump into this week's episode, I'd like to share a review by Levi's Whirling, who I taunted last week or two weeks ago about not having written a review instead sending me a critical text message about Lawrence Tierney and Gloria. Um, Levi's review uh, is from Cortelu Dad. That's his his handle. And I got to tell you, Levi is a hell of a dad. He wrote it on March 27th, which was the date of the last episode, if I remember correctly. And the review reads, not just for film nerds, it's five stars. Thank you, Levi. Liam and George are a riot, and they turned me on to JC. Not that one. And now I want to see all his films. Keep up the good work, guys. You should see all of his films. I, I recommend... Um, Glory of Glories, King of Kings, the Ten Commandments, the Passion of the... Okay. Ha! This is a Jesus joke. Um, Levi, thank you for the review, and uh, thank you for your support, and we're glad you're into uh, Jesus Christ now. Um, I'm not going to keep you guys any longer. We have a long episode ahead, so enjoy this episode, and if you have a chance, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We'll be starting season two in the coming weeks, and we want everybody on board. I'm Liam Billingham. I'm George Fragopoulos. And I'm Kel Karpinski. <gasps> and this is Oeuvre Busters. Yay! 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 So, wow. so Kel, Kel, you watched your first John Cassavetes movie, I think because of this podcast i did actually you're welcome which is amazing we, we brought someone into the fold or maybe. you're welcome uh, me, or maybe. sorry you're sorry maybe. Maybe. Running away. we're sorry which john john Cass- did you what did what, what was the first john cassavetti's movie you watched i what? watched husbands um impressions what did you know about john cassavetti's before you watched husbands uh only what i gleaned from your podcast okay <laughs> so a lot so a lot of stuff, so, a lot of brilliant insights. You're like, wow, those guys sure say a lot without saying much at all. They're really smart. That, that George George guy they had, knew words. That George guy has a great podcasting voice. Remember when we invited Cal on the show and we didn't let her talk? It was great. So what did you think of Husbands? It was rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think your episode about Husbands conveyed how rough it was because it left me with a sense of wanting to watch it. Oh, no. Um, that was not our intention. <laughs> And then you watched it and you're like, oh my God. And then I watched it and I was like, oh. Now, was it just kind of the politics of it all that was distasteful or also just because like the running time? Um, Partially the running time, which also, can we, when (laughs) we talk about the movie for this week, I also want to talk about that. Just 
um, there's like a sweet spot from like the late 80s to the mid 90s where all movies are like 90, 90 minutes or 90 under. Minutes. Yeah, yeah. And because that's many of my formative years, I feel like it spoiled me in some sort of ways. Mm-hmm. Like there are definitely good movies that are longer, but when a movie is not good and it's longer than 90 minutes, I'm like, can we wrap this up already? Yeah. We that's should also fair. say that today we're going to be talking about Big Trouble, which is Cassavetes' last film. Slow um, down. But also, but we wanted to also just get Kel's impressions on husbands. Yeah, of course, yeah. it's an important. It's an important. I'm just letting thing. Keith know exactly what we're going to do. So I got. I saw your tweet. That was like, wow. The was it the toxic masculinity and husbands was off the charts. Yes. And I first, I initially got excited because I was like, Kel watched husbands, and then I was like, oh no, Kel watched husbands. <laughs> and you didn't live tweet it, but you, there was definitely more than one tweet. There were some. About there was it. yeah. As live tweeting as I get, I feel like I can't keep up. I don't know how people keep up the momentum to live tweet. So there was like five or it's six exhausting. tweets. And then I like, yeah, crash. I live tweeted through Miami Vice, the Michael Mann. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, so what did you, what was your, did you, what was your final conclusion? <laughs> did you like anything about it? Is it a movie that can be liked? I don't know if it's a movie that can be liked. I mean, so yeah, listening, listening to the episode, I, I don't remember what stood out to me, but something was like, husbands like file that away like you want to watch that movie and i'll like added it to my list of movies to watch and then george you tweeted at me that i should make a zine about it because it's incredibly homoerotic and then i was like confirmed i should watch this movie <laughs> well they the, yeah the and we've talked about we talked about a, a little bit on on the uh, on that episode too but the especially the ben gazara character um has a lot of moments that are like really really like coded in a very kind of like obvious well i mean i guess maybe to us like obviously like queer way mm-hmm. um so any thoughts on like that and kind of like his love for these other men or like the way in which these men are loving one another yeah so i mean i think that was the most interesting part for me was like yeah the like homoerotic tension through it all um there's a few things that sort of stand out to me i mean like you know i think i tweeted like in the first five minutes like peter fox already talking about like wanting to get sweaty with men he loves and i was like oh that's right like like from off the bat he's like one of the greatest things you can do is like get sweaty with men you want to be with and i was like holy shit like here we go he's talking about like um all this not the sports stuff right yeah, it's about yeah all the different sports stuff. They're on the subway and then sort of. I like, love baseball. I love baseball. <laughs> like, and then you the love next baseball, <laughs> Peter Falk. Mm. Um, and then the next scene is like them all sweaty playing basketball together, right. um, and swimming together in the pool. Yeah, and then there's I. I also tweeted something about them. Um, oh, I like tweeted something about their undressing Peter Falk, but I don't remember what's oh, actually yeah. happening. Oh. Do you all? Is, wait, in the bar scene where he's Maybe, getting yes. naked? Yes. Well, okay. he keeps, yeah, he does, like, it, there's the woman, they like humiliate that woman who's singing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Which is That's delightful. Really, it's a really tough scene. But um, no, I mean, it, it was the second time watching it that I, that it really struck me. I was like, Oh my god! Like these men, like love one another. Like mm-hmm. they love each other. And this is all. Yes, it doesn't. It actually, to me, didn't come through the first time. But I don't know if it was just the circumstances under which I saw it, or my general like not noticing it. Yeah. Well, also Ben Gazzara has all these moments of like jealous. Like he's upset yes. that Peter Falk he and Cassavetes are like sharing secrets in the bathroom. Yeah. Also, there's so many scenes of them all in the bathroom like bonding together, which I thought was really interesting. And then there were two things um, about Gazzara that stood out to me. He says something about like I would be better off going home with a fairy. Right. And then also oh, when he's right. like talking to his wife, he says like I don't want to be in the closet. I don't want to be in the closet yeah. anymore. And I was like, holy shit. Which. Yeah. I don't know. The first time I saw the film, I saw it on the big screen at BAM, and I, I sort of thought it was, 
mean, it's troubling, but it was also like it was funnier on the big screen. Like it, it played in this much grander mm-hmm. way. Like the scene when they're making everybody sing, I was like, this is like a masterpiece of a scene, and I still think it is. But like, I have a very different it's relationship. Hard to watch. It's hard to watch. But also, I the whole like I don't want to be in the closet anymore. I feel like it went past me the first time completely. Mm-hmm. So seeing it a second time, that's when I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I was like, did he really just say that? I like, I think it's also, it might be um, difficult to like pick up on that when all the other, let's say, like traditionally masculine and shit right. is so over the top in that film because mm-hmm. they're so like bad dudes <laughs> in so many ways that we now recognize as kind of like toxic masculinity. So I could also see how like some of that subtext could kind of be, potentially be lost, especially like on a first viewing. Yes. Um, but yeah, so if there's something, let's say, subversive or something... Uh, that's good about the film is like its potential to be read in this this queer light. Mm-hmm. Um, as you were saying earlier, though, there mm-hmm. are like these troubling kind of aspects of it. And I don't want, want if you wanted to kind of comment on that, or if there's like a sp- specific scene that you have in mind, mm-hmm. because well, I have one in mind that I wonder if it's the one you have in mind. Well, I mean, the film is rampant with toxic masculinity. Like I said, it's like off the charts, and like the the scene in the bar where they're all singing and they humiliate yeah. that woman, like for sure. And there's like you know, like Cassavetes is like yelling at her, like keep singing, and Gazar is like fucking stop and like going back and terrible like like that is horrible but then there's also the the one that's really troubling to me is the peter falk with the japanese chinese woman i'm not sure right yeah um like all of the scenes with her but like especially like in the rain like he's i don't don't even know like what what to say about it um just that like the way he's interacting with her is like horrible i don't know i've I don't even have words for like what's happening. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny because the scene before that to me is the, the was worst the one, one you were gonna say. Yeah, it's the one with Cassavetes and the and the woman in the be- in the bedroom where they're like r- wrestling on the on the on the oh, bed. Oh, the yeah. British lady, and, and she keeps telling him to stop. Yeah, I believe yeah. her name is Mary. Yeah, and just Mary. goes That's on right. and on and on and on. Oh wait, it's still going. <laughs> yeah, it's like still playing. I think it's still playing right now. Yeah, the film was released in nineteen seventy something, and yeah, it's still, it's still go- going that scene on. is still going on. And that was the scene. And I think maybe also by the time the second scene with Falk came around, not that that scene isn't terrible, yeah. but I was just kind of so shocked at you kind of like what I'd just seen. Still. Yeah, that I was like, oh, God. When we, when we talked like, I'm just about glad that, scene, that is done. scene initially, like I, we actually, it's the only time we've ever gotten a, an email from anyone being like, you like kind of critical of us. Cause like, and I don't think I did a good job of articulating my problem with that scene, which is like, there's that line where it's like he's depicting toxic masculinity and really problematic vape behavior versus like romanticizing it. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a tension throughout the movie, but that scene doesn't know when to quit. And it's it's like almost irresponsible. It's not irresponsible. I don't know if that's the right word, but it made me so go like it's, it's like, oh, stop. This needs this needs to stop. Like we all get the point. Mm-hmm. We get the, We got the point 10 minutes ago. And then like I feel like there's a lot of people like Cassavetes has this sort of like auteur reputation it's a lot of people will will look at the thing and be like oh there's the like he's said exactly what and he depicted exactly what he wanted to, to depict but mm-hmm. i feel like there's no control in the choices made in that scene and that really really bothers me yeah do you do you think it's intentionally supposed to make the audience uncomfortable though yeah yeah i i think so i think i can give him Having now gone through all the films, I feel like I can mm-hmm. give him the credit to 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 be self aware. I did at the beginning of this, yeah. I was like, no way. But I think that I've the my experience of it at least has been like, oh, I think there's a real a much higher level of self awareness than mm-hmm. I think I initially thought there was. Huh. Do I don't know what your feeling is. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but do you think there are are scenes that are just kind of totally, totally toned out? 
In that movie? Well, just in the oeuvre, do I use the word, in general? I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, Because, again, those guys are definitely also supposed to be... Heroic might be too strong of a word. They're not heroic. But I don't think. Uh, I mean, heroic. But I mean, I think also you're you're obviously supposed to sympathize with them, especially at the yeah, end. Yeah, there's supposed to be something. Yeah, there, yeah especially at the end with the return home and kind of the return like the renewal. This, yeah, the banality or kind of their mundane mm-hmm. existence. Shitty that kids. Shitty kid comes out like, "Hey, dad, mom, dad's back." Yeah. Like who cannot that feel kid sorry grew for up that to, for to that that kid <laughs> grew up to star in Face Face Off. Yeah, one of the greatest movies of all time. Wait, really? Yeah, John John Cassavetti's <laughs> son Nick is an actor director. And Liam, I'm gonna take his face off, <laughs> and he plays a heavy in Face Off, the greatest action movie ever made. I've never oh, actually seen it, but I'm familiar. It's second. It's no, it's like the top ten. But yeah, he's he's a and a director. He made a movie called She's So Lovely, which was based on a John Cassavetti script called She's the Lovely, that I've never seen, but it has Sean Penn and John Travolta and Robin Wright Penn. Interesting. Yeah, so there's a lot of. <laughs> A lot going on Sean there. Penn, yikes. <laughs> yeah, when when she was R- R- Robin Wright Penn, I can't even say I think it. she was Robin Wright Penn then. Um, but I don't know if there's anything outright irresponsible. I don't know. It's. No, I just want to watch The Princess Bride again. I'm sorry. I feel like there's a whole... Can we talk about The Princess Bride? Yeah, we about how fucking amazing it is? And Peter Fox in it? No. Can we talk about how it's way overrated? Oh. Podcast over. You can, you can cut this out so that like oh, all your listeners don't hate not me. No, no, cutting this out. You, think, you think our listeners care about The Princess Bride? I, I tell us quickly uh, why. Just, just real quick. I, I think it's fine. I think it's a fine it's Fred movie. Fred Savage because you hate Fred Savage. Right? I actually really like Fred Savage. <laughs> I find him endearing for He's very reason. endearing. Because um, well, he's still that kid. And from that show. Yeah, the Wonder he Years? absolutely is. Uh, working. Yeah, no, The Wonder Years. <laughs> <laughs> but you said it like kid from that show. What's it called again? Um, I just have never felt like the hype and connection that everyone else is. So I don't I don't yeah, think I don't think that it's a horrible movie. I think it's a good movie and I see its merits, but I'm not like, oh my god, I love this movie. And I feel like that's really weird for folks of our generation. That yes. like everybody is like, This is the most amazing movie and it's like crucial people's childhood childhood. There's like, a, like cons- a serious agreement over that, I feel like that Yeah, you're... and I'm I'm not part of it. No, so I think that's fair. Just... That's fine. Is that I mean my heart's breaking. I, I found like one other person Stop who it. agrees with me. I don't think it's that great. It's fine. Yeah, I'm sort of with no, you. Oh yeah, it's it's a, it's an excellent. What's yeah. a movie that you? And I also think- like love Wallace Shawn, but oh, he's the best. So good. Yeah. And Andre the Giant. Come Andre on. the Giant. And Mandy Patinkin. <laughs> Fucking cast is killer. What's you know I, I went to that- college with his son. With with Mandy Patinkin's son. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh. I thought you were gonna say with Andre. He's the in Giant's a band with daughter. my friends. No. <laughs> Mandy Patinkin's kid is just chilling, straight chilling. It's like dad's got it. He's it's got cool. It. Wait, do you guys also know about the Andre the Giant story about that um, Beckett drove him to school? Yes, yes, because I read the Beckett autobiography. I love that but story. But is it true? So it's in the autobiography. It's in the um, biography, not the autobiography. Uh, the autobiography is waiting case? for Godot. The autobiography is one line long. It's like I can't think of his name. I wish I'd died um, before I was born. Person made a documentary about Andre the Giant yeah, recently. Um, B- oh, Bill, yeah, Bill, yeah. Bill, 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 Bill. I think it's Bill, Bill, yeah. Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons, yeah. Bill, I was gonna um, look it up. And he said they couldn't find any evidence, but like I don't want to live in a world where Beckett didn't drive Andre the Giant to school. Let's so believe, you're right. So any final thoughts on husbands? Uh, would you recommend somebody watch it? I don't know if I would recommend it to anyone. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm glad I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'd ever watch it again. Maybe under duress. Um, do you feel like, I, and you sort of asked me this question, but do you feel like there's va- like it's it's a really celebrated movie? Like, 
they're like I don't know if it's the most celebrated of his movies, but like for example, Metrograph, the theater downtown, they pick a film from like a f- every filmmaker, and they like this is the essential film, and for them, Husbands is husbands. the essential film. And I like I have mixed feelings about that. And like I, the first time I saw that movie, it was like kind of monumental for me. And rewatching it, I was like, I don't feel the same way about this movie mm-hmm. that I did the first time I watched it. And I think some of that is tied up in like having a father who is about the same age as those guys and like relating to it through this Mm. like i had a father that was like this maybe not this bad but definitely raised with the same kind of cultural values and stuff like that um but i guess my question is like do you feel like as some and i'd actually george i'd like to hear what you think because we're circling back to it do you feel like there's value in what it depicts yes yeah (laughs) that's Um, the tough thing (laughs) yeah no i mean i think I mean, I think it's hard because, again, like we're saying, like, you know, uh, I think it's important to depict these uh, depict depictions. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I have no words tonight of toxic masculinity. But like, where is it like you're critiquing it versus you're celebrating it? Like right. where where does it sort of cross the line or like I also I mean, I think about this with like a lot of film and like TV shows, too, like. Does, does your audience know that you're critiquing it? Like, yeah. are you actually critiquing it? Like, What's the line? Right, right. Because I feel like if you're, even if you are going into it um, sort of with the idea that it's a critique, if your audience isn't aware of that, then it's not a critique. Like, you're just replicating those yes, same totally. things. Yeah. I feel that way about like the love that some people hold for a movie like Scarface. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a really I, I good fucking, example. That's, a, I think, a, a greatly overrated movie. Like, I think it's disgusting. I think it's a disgusting movie. Because well, people turn it off about 15 minutes before the end. Like, that's it. This movie's over, right? Yeah, <laughs> She's yeah, yeah, on top yeah, of yeah, the yeah, world. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good point. What do you think in terms about of... About Husbands? Yeah. Again, I think the first hour is brilliant. There's yeah. some really brutal parts in, in, um, in the second half. I do think, like, it's critique of, like, the banality of conventional... Um, kind of like couplings is interesting even, mm. even though obviously like the wives don't like play a large role I think it has like a lot of interesting things also to say about aging which I didn't realize is like such a prominent theme in so many of Casavetti's yeah. films where well, these, a lot of his movies are about middle-aged people I yeah think. where these you know three um, dudes and they're very much dudes are trying to kind of cope dudes. with the, with their dead friend or like what, the, what that means and I think it has a lot of interesting things to say about that like right. I read it as very mm-hmm. much like a very and we've talked about this too of like a very much like kind of like a Beckettian, almost kind of like existentialist drama. Right. And it's interesting because it's very concrete in its settings. Yeah. And a lot of that good shit to me, obviously, um, gets kind of overwhelmed or um, kind of effaced by, again, a lot of the shittiness in the second in the second half. And as Kel said, I'm also not totally convinced that there is that much of a critique going on in terms of obviously their behavior. Mm. but I could be wrong I don't know well I don't I think but I think that that's part of the intention it's definitely meant to make you uncomfortable without question and I also mm-hmm. think he would it, I can't like and like this is one of the interesting things about like male filmmakers of that period of time he like I feel like if someone asked him is this a critique he'd be like fuck you mm-hmm. I don't care if it's a critique which I think he's like I'm depicting real lives and it's like that's a much more problematic answer now than it would have been in 19. 19- 77 or whatever yeah i also watched some of the dick cabot show <gasps> clips too which is like also like really painful and like i just like pity dick yeah. he's so amazing hey dick so cabot's amazing. mentioned the big trouble too yeah i know oh, dick right dick cabot no i really think um <laughs> i think that that's actually like almost as big of a deal like that the dick i mean the dick cabot thing inspired this whole thing obviously mm-hmm. but like 
it's painful mm-hmm. but it was so funny 10 years ago and now i'm like oh yeah you know things change things change <laughs> hopefully the more they for the change. better <laughs> so are you gonna watch well you watched at least one more john cassavetes movies but do you have yes. like a the desire i was to i was bribed more? to watch that one you're for the bribed. record you're bribed <laughs> with your own bourbon here's your bag of money by the way thank you're you slide it across yeah. the table george do some foley you said you said hundreds right so unmarked bills um i think i will i i think it's interesting liam you recommended gloria correct and george recommended shadows is that yeah that's correct is that correct um gloria, gloria. i watched I watched trailers for both of them and I don't think I can watch Gloria. Fair. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, shadows is I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm I intrigued. think it's shadows is a much more, dare I say like important movie yeah. in the history of movies than Gloria. It's a footnote, but it's so accessible. Something about the, like, I must save this child. Like doesn't um, appeal to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fair. Sorry. I just don't have. Well, no, that's totally fair. But it's like, I think that we what makes it more accessible too. is, is like, it's so genre heavy. It's like a real genre movie. Mm hmm. But um, Shadows is a tough watch, I have to say. It's yep. a good movie, but it's just, it's so dated. Uh, in certain respects. In other respects, I don't think it is. Like, it's not very didactic in terms of, like, the no, handling of uh, the racial issues. It doesn't, like, hit you over yeah, the head. Yeah, that's true. It's, See, it's episode not, one for It's more not details. Crash. And I don't mean Cronenberg's Crash. I mean the shitty Crash. I don't like, mean Cronenberg's Crash, the George Fragopoulos story. <laughs> it's my memoir. Coming this fall it's from Bantam Books. Is it Bantam <laughs> Uh, Penguin? Penguin. Oh, it's Penguin. Yeah. Penguin posts. Random House? Yeah, they offered me less money, but uh, more perks. What were the <laughs> I can't mention them on the air. I they're mean, unmentionable? Yeah, they're unmentionable. Yeah. Um, should we talk about another masterpiece? Wait, but real quick. Let's hear it. I wanted, Even I, though you hate so that word masterpiece. Kel mentioned, uh, uh, this is completely unrelated, Princess Bride is an overrated movie. What's your like overrated movie that other people love? Oh, shit. That's a very good question. I'm gonna have to we have the same answer for this question. It's the little? Boondock Saints. Oh God, I fucking hate that movie. I fucking hate. Can we do people, a podcast? Have you seen this? Movie? I have never seen it, it's but I have no intention of. But I, um, I enjoyed that. Um, you listed your the top Boston movies, and it was just uh, Good Will Hunting. Good Will Hunting. That's accurate. <laughs> And which, which is one of my favorite movies like don't <gasps> get me wrong and i love me some good regular <laughs> co-host of this podcast actually we're gonna do a po- our own podcast it's gonna be good goodwill Bob- podcast goodwill and podcast. we're just gonna it rewatch we're gonna rewatch goodwill Hunting. no you every single week you talk about a, a different scene a different boston um no, film but it's scene. always goodwill Hunting. <laughs> <laughs> this week we're gonna talk about the good matt damon ben affleck starring film well there's Hunting. there's like a bunch of um sort of like new englandy set early 90s movies that have like a collegiate feel to them yes that, that leafy um, feel that i like and like what? This several is, several this of them is, have not, matt damon not, in we're them we're not talking about big trouble anymore which <laughs> movies are you talking about well the, so uh there's goodwill hunting the there's um school ties mm. oh school ties. and school ties. there's Brand, young brendan fraser no that's with honors yeah dumb oh, dumb honors oh no wait is he in both is? he's in both of them is he yeah he is in both of them matt damon's also in school ties he is in school ties. okay that's what was Neo-Nazi. No, he's not. That's Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell's the neo-Nazi. Oh, Chris O'Donnell is a good casting for a neo-Nazi because, like, I feel like I could never actually in real life think Chris O'Donnell's a neo-Nazi. He's a dreamboat. He is a dreamboat. Uh, is he still though? And yeah, I he's still cute. Really? He's CSI. I don't what know. What does he do? He's on CSI Miami. I haven't Miami. seen him since Batman and Robin. Is oh, that? That's just a long time. I've ago. never seen Batman and Robin. 
That's the George Clooney yeah, Batman nipples, right? It, yeah, I skipped it. Sucks. I should see it. I'm sure it's, it sucks. It's really horrible. Yeah. I'm, is it but Chris O'Donnell's in it. Um. So wait, what are these other Matt Damon movies? Um. So I think those might just be the three. Welcome <laughs> to Damon <laughs> Talk. That's good. What else? Is I feel there? like there's what? there's more, but oh, there's like they're they're all New England like collegiate esque movies, and they really appeal to me for some reason. He produced the Manchester by the Sea movie too. I didn't see it. It's rough. It's worth. I mean, it. I. It's a hard watch, but it's good. And Kenneth Lonergan. But isn't Casey Affleck in it? Too? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was like when the whole kind of backlash. You know what Casey Affleck isn't in? Big Trouble, nineteen eighty six. Oh, is that what we're supposed to be talking about? about? <laughs> After we get through with Goodwill Hunting, um, so I thought this was a Goodwill Hunting the podcast. Of now. Goodwill Hunting. When he's okay, um, yeah, we should talk about Big Trouble. So, general impressions about Big Trouble. Well, before we do that, maybe we should summarize what happens in Big Trouble. Yeah, Kel, do you want to do the honors, or you that's don't a, have to? You it's a lot of pressure. Really that's just a lot of pressure. Under the microphone, under the bush, under the bush. But Big Trouble stars Alan Arkin as an insurance salesman who uh, needs money to send his triplets to Yale, and so in order to do that, he gets involved with a woman who's planning to murder her husband for the insurance money. It's it's a it's a dub, no, double indemnity remake. Dun, dun, dun. And um, it turns out that she and her husband are in cahoots and craziness ensues. Craziness does How ensue. did I do there? Was that a good that was synopsis? Amazing. I think that was film? good. Yeah. That was good. Cool. General impressions. Kel, yeah. what do you think? Well, well, Kel, can you tell also briefly, can you tell us about that amazing fucking bit of trivia that you found? Um, apparently, um, so they were sued by whatever production company made Double Indemnity because it's a really yes. bad remake of Double Indemnity. Um, well, we know Kel's feelings on the movie. <laughs> I didn't say it was a bad mo- film. It was a bad film. Re- it's hard to remake Double Indemnity. Yeah, but like they were trying to go for this like comedy slapstick, yeah. which like Double Indemnity is not. not. Um, so I think they lost a few things there first. Um, but so yeah, they got sued. But the way that they resolved it was that they gave up rights to a script for a sci-fi movie, and it turns out that that sci-fi movie was Back to the Future. Oh so they you imagine screwed themselves. <laughs> Can you also, when I was reading it, I don't know, the way the way it's written was like a sci-fi movie. It was Back to the Future. And you were like, holy shit. But also, I don't think of Back to the Future as a sci-fi no, movie, not at all. even though it obviously is. Yeah, that's a real, yeah. It's point. just like my childhood. Yeah. I don't know. It's also a much better movie than Big Trouble. It is a much better movie. By than leaps than and bounds. Did you guys like Big Trouble? I I enjoyed it. Sure. I enjoyed it too. <laughs> I enjoy yeah, I enjoyed it, but also um as I said over text message with you, it's not very good. I agree, but I also liked it. And I, I also have to say, uh, this might apply more to you and me, George, but I had a little bit of an emotional last few minutes of the movie because I was like, we did Ooh. it. Oh, because it's the last We're movie. We're done. Oh, we did it. Okay. I thought you meant because of uh, your own experiences being um, trying to rob a place and then finding out the terrorists. <laughs> well, are when I had over. to send my three kids, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, to um Wait, has Yale. anyone seen oh, shit, it? Perfect, right. Perfect Strangers? Is it Identical Strangers? What's that movie? What's that documentary? Perfect Strangers. Identical Strangers. Perfect Strangers is the show that, that's yes. got the... Sometimes the world feels close. Sorry, yes. Nothing can re... What's it? How does it feel? Sometimes you just get a feeling like you need some kind of change. Standing tall on the Liam, rings Liam loves to sing on the podcast dream. if you haven't noticed. I've, I've noticed. And it's not the bourbon either. I thought he gave it up for New Year's for or Lent. something. For, for Lent. Lent. Yeah. It's Lent this week. It yeah. is this week. I actually have, I have punch keys. Do you guys? Yes. 
I have, they're cheese? a little bit stale. stale. Um, they're a Polish donut that's traditionally eaten. Don't on say donut fat. to George. Don't say donut to George. Don't say donut to George. It's like can I can I quickly say something that I I I brought munchkins to my students the other day unprompted just because I'm I'm like the greatest uh, professor that ever lived and I gave them the munchkins and I kept saying like oh get some donuts and some students were like they're not donuts they're munchkins come on guys just like bear with me while you're talking while you're talking I found my daughter's bow in my back pocket that's really sweet should I yeah Yeah, you probably should put it in good look. Yeah. I'm so sorry. We got distracted. So this, fi- yeah, this. Film, so uh, it's not good, but it's but it is entertaining. I'm t- the editing on this thing is gonna be just the <sighs> best. It's the bourbon. Um, did you guys have? Did you have any? Did you have any cognitive dissonance during the beginning when it said directed by John Cassavetes? Because <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? This well, is not a. So John I actually Cassavetes I wanted to ask you guys about this since you've been working through his oeuvre. Were there anything in this film that felt like Cassavetes besides Falk? Oh, or that's a, very good, it's a really question. good question. Or does it like not at all? No, because it, feels it was like, like handed a, to him. So the thing that I think is interesting is that a third of it was shot before he took over. Do we know like like a third what chronologically third or just like a third in general? I don't think that I, I'd be I'd be curious to know. I doubt it would be a third chronologically, but it might have been. I mean, I think so. I think it actually does at moments really feel like a John Cassavetes wow, movie. Wow, like where? I'm so curious. Um. There's, there's actually, I wrote down a line. I wrote down a specific line that I was like, this is a John Cassavetes line. But yeah, the third of the movie was, was directed by Andrew uh, Bregman, who made Striptease oh. and a variety of other movies. Who Which is, is also I think, a bad movie. It makes more sense to me that Falk brought on Cassavetes because I was like, how did he end up on this project? And then how did Peter Falk like end up in it? Like it just felt like a little too weird that like he would happen to like pick up a movie that someone else directed and Peter Falk was already in it. But like that makes more sense. I will say that for me, it's one of the things that made it feel like the way a John Cassavetes movie is the way that Peter Falk behaves in the movie. I feel like there's like a very like... Like, especially at the end when he's like, are you going to go back with your wife? Oh, that scene. Like, that's a that very classic favorite. moment. But and also just the like, why don't we do it? Like, it's a really endearing Falk performance mm-hmm. because he seems more interested than our bottle guy is making so much noise. He seems much he's more interested in, in like the goofball adventure than he is the money. And that feels like a John Cassavetes thing to me a little bit. And I do feel like the last 10 minutes... I feel like that scene, the funeral scene, might have actually been like improvised. A total John Cassavetes. Yeah, thing. it'd be like, fuck it. Like, uh, this is the oh, only the part. The funeral scene was so. Did you guys watch like through the credits? Oh, like, yeah. the kissing and it's like the so hugging. weird. Yeah, it it's really, really homoerotic. Yeah. It really is. And also that one guy, like the guy who plays um, Omera. Like Charles really Durning, Charles Durning. He, Who's the what's his name's role in the Double Indemnity? Uh, the I was in Double Indemnity. Uh, no, no, he's not in Double. But the, 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 the who's the big guy? Cagney. Cagney's part in Double Indemnity is that guy's part in Big Trouble. Uh-huh. But he like totally mauls poor Beverly D'Angelo, who's a goddess by the way. But like, did you notice like he goes out she of his is. way to like kiss she her is. and like hug her and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. her her outfits are amazing, amazing. through this they entire amazing. film. Entire I kept great. being like, what are you wearing? This is before or after um, Christmas Vacation. It is after. This after. Yeah. So okay. it's also interestingly situated movie in terms of um, it's like timeline because the last ten minutes take place in like a really tall tower and involve terrorists and I couldn't help but think about Die Hard. That is amazing. It's a Die Hard prequel. Oh, it has a Die Hard Die Hard quality. I forgot the bow was in my hair. Should we start at the beginning? 
Yeah, let's so, go through. So the film begins with the these son singing. Um, with the, actually triplets. It's in the real outside life. of the house, and you, they're not triplets in real life, which is crazy. They look like the dudes from the documentary, though. The, the three actual, identical strangers. Yeah, yeah. That that was why. <laughs> that was a and while what are ago. they singing? What are they singing at the beginning? I don't know. So they're all the table, and they're all they're all like singing, and they're it's preposterous. Something from a and the mother's like, eat your protein and get out of the house. And then we realize that Alan Arkin, who's so good in this movie mm-hmm. for about 50% of it, um, is, is like though, he, very meticulously doing bills at the table. He's trying to figure out a way to get them to Yale. All three of them are wearing Yale jerseys. At the piano, no. Does, isn't the, he doing bills at the piano? Yeah. Oh, I think the I one thing that's nice piano. about the film is that it, it doesn't, he barely speaks to his sons, but they show him hanging out with them enough that it makes their relationship really, really endearing. Like Aww. they're all playing music together and then yeah. they're all watching a bad action movie together. But the kids leave for school. Did you guys also notice the weird cat calling moment at the beginning of the movie they back no. out of the driveway and there's a girl walking down the street and they both they go like woo 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 with i this totally girl. missed that i made yeah. a note about what they were driving because it looked like it was something that was like oh my god it was such a suburban car <laughs> it really it like, uh, i thought it was like painted in camo or something. Yeah, it was but like, like a that jeep like jeep thing? that yeah. jeep thing i don't know where i grew up like yeah these guys were high and flying the reagan era am i right I'm saying 19, high and flying in the Reagan era, the John, the John Cassidy 1986. Um, we're fucking knee deep in it, which is also interesting to think about the film actually in that kind of context because it is very much up until like the very very end, a critique of like the American dream mm-hmm. and about how impossible it is to fucking like make it in this world. And then like the last ten minutes, like totally totally kind of can we get itself. there? Sorry. Um. So I wanted. I forgot that this was a journey. So after they, it is a journey, and it's not about the destination, which so, is the end of this fucking movie. So Leonard is doing the math, and there, and Leonard, and he realizes he can't afford to right. send his uh his kids to school. And he's like, it's $14,000 a year, I think, for all three of them, which I did the math, by the 42, way. 42,000. 42. The inflation, like, calculator. Oh, my God. Here we go. Only, only like, like $100,000 a year. I feel like that's low. I feel it like is? it would have been more than $14,000. Yeah. Um, or or, or that goes to show you how fucking crazy it has gone to actually send somebody to, like, an elite school like Maybe. Yale nowadays. I just read it as kind of a that's just how bad things have gotten in the last 30 years. I read I it as that possible. as well. Yeah. yeah. Did did anyone notice that um, Leonard's wife, I can't remember her name, Trash Talks yes. uh, City, Col- City yeah, College? Yeah, I like wanted to stop the movie. I was like, like yo, 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 yo. I, I, I was like, did I just hear those words? <laughs> like, what did like, you what say? What did you send him to CCNY? And I was like, yo, fuck you, lady. My note here says brutal CCNY jokes. Yeah, she, she makes CCNY. And what's the other school she makes fun of? I, like who, UC who Berkeley cares? or something? One of the UC schools. First of all, thank you so much for mentioning CCNY and then that company. Thank you so much. But <laughs> fuck you also. Yeah. I, um, turned, I turned to my CCNY tattoo. I was like, don't worry about it. I was like, <laughs> so what, is then, their, what is their mascot? The Purple Devils or something? It's, it's really, oh, really? Yeah. Um, I did, Valerie. I learned, oh, I go was, ahead. City Tech has a mascot, but we have no teams. Yeah, well, that's Aww. like CCNY, I think. Yeah. Well, the library CCNY. mascot, then. Yeah, the yeah. library. So then we <laughs> cut... City Tech librarians. We cut to Leonard at work. Before uh, we do there, can we please, yeah. can we um, talk about how amazing Valerie Curtin is as Arlene Hoffman, his wife in this oh. movie? She's really, really good because she just has to play like a ludicrous human being, but she keeps being like, get something warm for lunch. Like, she's really, really funny, and I do think that this might be a Cassavetes thing where he was like... a bit of a cartoon He character. was basically like... I don't care what you do, but be fu- like he let them go for it, and yeah. it's like she's really, really good in the in the, in the few. Beats. She is, yeah. and I thought she had more in the film because the post she's on the poster, 
next to Beverly D'Angelo and Peter Falk. And you're like, oh, she's going to be a big part of the movie. And she's mm. barely, she's in it for all of 10 That's minutes. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So then he goes to work. Goes to work. Uh, his boss is played by Robert, Robert Stack, Stack, which is amazing. Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Oh, I was like, where do I know that at, dude from? That at voice, any point, I thought he was going to turn to the camera and be like, well, to be clear, today's episode, we know Bigfoot, him from Unsolved Mysteries, but we also all know him from Liam, Basketball, please. the Trey, uh, Obviously. Trey, <laughs> Trey Parker, Matt <laughs> much, Stone Much better movie if directed by Trey Anastasia. By the way, Liam, Bigfoot, real or not, please. <laughs> That was not really, the return this is your question. only good impression so far. I practiced all day today. Actually, I didn't watch the rest of the film. I just kept repeating or uh, those um, Robert Stack's first kind so of So he goes to work and film Robert to Stack his, is his boss. His, his voice. So he speaks to the insurance investigator played by Charles Durning, who is Cagney in the original. And he's like, oh, Robert Stack, your boss, went to Yale. You should go talk and to him. And his grandfather went to Yale. And his kids go to Yale. Everyone goes to Yale. And so he goes to talk to him. And he's in Yale. a meeting. He's Robert Stack in is in a meeting. Yale. Fuck that. Sorry. <laughs> no, but seriously. Did you apply Yale. to Yale? I did, and they wouldn't take me in for that. That's bullshit. I know. A genius like me. So he goes, yeah, and hit. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. <laughs> go ahead. Um, Fuck Yale. Fucking. <laughs> hey, Yale. Hey, Yale. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, Yale. You think you're and, better than me? And Fuck you. Law school. Fuck you, like, Yale. You piece of shit. Oh, but now it's, now it's really turned into like Goodwill Hunting. And this is where the film also gets like really kind of interesting because one of the things that Robert Stack says is like, oh, yeah, like everybody in my family has gone to Yale. And then he says, oh, if I were to help your kids go to Yale, that wouldn't be fair because everybody should kind of have like an equal My, my blood was like boiling yeah, at that point and just like it's just like all the shit about like people being like self-made billionaires and like shit like that i'm like no yeah, it's an interesting time to watch the movie <laughs> no you're fucking not um i'm also dealing with some student loan problems yeah. so it's a little yeah. close to home right now um it's but yeah that was like so CCN infuriating book. like i i deserve this because i'm a legacy but you don't deserve any kind of like leg totally. up or like and even like I don't know. To think about like him making a call to Yale is like the smallest fucking gesture yeah, he could ever yeah. make, and he can't even do that. Like, and he and he and Leonard says later on in the film is like, I've worked eighteen years for this company, and like I'm not getting anything out of it. Which yeah, sounds a lot like Robert Stack. I got to work on. No, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Um, no, and this was like one of the moments. Like, so then they they leave this room and they're walking in the hallway, and he goes into he's like, my wife wants me to get this, and they walk into a back room and it's like filled with gold. It's like a Bond's villain yeah. office. Yeah, it's a Bond villain office exactly, and that's when he gives the speech about like well i can't give you a leg up yeah, yeah that was also i mean i think it was sort of like a, a brilliant scene though totally. that was like one really of the few scene. where i was like he's like plucking this like golden vase for his wife or yeah. whatever it is it's like a golden candy tray or something yeah. and he's, he's like, like i can't you put give you this? anything but i don't even know what my wife's gonna use this for uh, like really good. and robert stack is really perfectly cast in it yeah. yes he's great he's very very what good. the fuck is up with this vault though is it stuff that's just kind of like insurance so they work in insurance well that's what i didn't understand insured? either and he like takes it out yeah like is it his own well, stuff? this was also the moment where i was like understand. this movie's a satire right like not that it wasn't kind of clearly before but that moment is so totally. preposterous it's totally that you're yeah. like what is actually going on here yeah it's uh, you know and it's well there's also like the like the the whole part like leading up to it like he's in his office and then he like presses a button and the wall like detracts right. and then he like goes in another and then there's like this vault like it's all really right bizarre yeah and there's and a over huge the portrait of him too in the yeah. office oh, oh yeah it's like yeah, yeah. it's like a, that's a yeah it's really that's the moment when you're like okay this is a ridiculous comedy so defeated alan arkin goes back to the office defeated. but then he gets called to go visit a client who needs homeowner's, homeowner's insurance, insurance yeah. played by beverly d'angelo who george has called a goddess 
She is. She's a yeah. I'm sticking she, with I her. felt things about Beverly <laughs> D'Angelo in, in my youth <laughs> that were sort of re and re. Brought back. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Turned into that um, kind of podcast. Now. So she she's dressed sort of scantily. Scantily yeah. Absolutely. He goes over to the house and she's sort of like the an idiot femme fatale. Would right, be yeah. uh, a bit of a way to describe it. Well, yeah, but she's like she's playing a role. Husband. She knows she's playing the role. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. like, isn't it? Shouldn't it be obvious to Ellen Arkin that she's playing? Like, we're all, I'm like, oh, this is all bullshit. Well, it happens this very quickly bullshit. though. Doesn't he kind of like get, um, like pick up on it like right then and there? Because basically, she's basically she says like, oh, actually, what I really want is life like life insurance for my husband. And she's like, what? And she he's very sick. And Alan Arkin's like, why don't you have life insurance? Yeah. And they keep saying he has fat around his heart, which I thought oh, was yeah. just like the weirdest. But it also it felt like she like led him. I don't know. It felt like he should have picked up that she was so obviously leading him there. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, she yeah, wasn't yeah. stupid enough to like, I don't know. That That's, sort of I agree bothered with you. Me yeah. That it was really obvious that she was leading him there. Like, yeah, well, no, but I, th- I thought the whole point about it is like, she's obviously kind of like seducing him into thinking that he's kind of taking the lead on this. Like she yes. clearly knows what she's doing. So that's why like she plays like the bimbo, but clearly she's in charge. Yeah. Wait, 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 how does she does she actually know that he has financial troubles? That's what no. I didn't understand. No, she doesn't. That's a good no, point. No, no, she, she doesn't. Okay. She that just might so happens be... to find somebody that also so wants to commit So she just like crime. picks a random person and it just right. so happens because yeah. it, no one has money is what right, we're... Right, right. Okay. That's, also that, good. that's also correct. This okay. was the scene that, that, that had a no very John Cassavetes line in it, which at one point she's talking to him and he sa- she says to him, I want, I'm trying to tell you something about reality. And that is such a John Cassavetes oh. line. Like it's that could be in any John Cassavetes movie. I'm trying yeah. to tell you something about reality, because he's talking about like the paperwork, whatever. And she's like, "No, it's about love. It's about feeling. It's about these things." It just feels like a very classic vintage. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it would be interesting to, s- to actually know if Cassavetes did have any kind of. So the script is credited to someone random, which and there's is Berg or Brighton there's also Berg? a theory it's Elaine May. Right, I heard, uh, yeah. I Which read, would be interesting. I read that uh, is, rumor too. You read it on the John Cassavetes Encyclopedia? No, this is on the uh, John Cassavetes Dictionary, which is uh, IMDb. com. <laughs> so where do we go next? Does anybody remember? No, I stopped taking notes because I'm trying to work on my Robert Stack impersonation. So Leonard goes back home. Well, no, wait, doesn't Peter Falk come home first? Oh, he does. Yeah, Wait, and the, with the Chinese yes. laborers oh, in the back yeah. of the truck. Yes. Yeah. This was... Let's talk this about this. Was, this was rough. Yeah. This was rough. Not funny. That was but not It wasn't funny. funny, but there was also, again, a really interesting critique about, like, American... I can't give you money. Kind of credit. Yeah. But here's like, McDonald's. He's like, oh, this is money in America. Here, like, take fill out this thing for the a credit, credit card. Or, like, do, yeah. yeah. And I thought, like, yes, not funny, really problematic, but I did think... At least, kind of the way in which he's clearly like exploiting these men yeah. is. I read it as obviously like an indictment of American capitalism. Peter Falk is really bad in this scene. In this scene, yeah, he's really. I felt he was really, and also all of his lines are ADR'd, like recorded after the fact, and you can tell. At least I, and it drove me nuts. I know it's a small thing. I was wondering. It's not, something sounded. A little so yeah, bad. there's a lot yeah. of that in this movie. I feel like they were like, "This doesn't work. Let's rewrite all these." Like, there's a whole thing with Robert Stack earlier in the film where I'm like, he didn't say any of the things that we're hearing right now. Oh, interesting. Um, I felt I felt like things were off, but I felt like maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention. No, no, I, I think I think it's things. I think it's a bigger problem than but, that. But also going back about a couple of minutes too, I forget that like uh, Beverly D'Angelo's like, oh yeah, my husband's a an adventurer and he looks like Peter Falk. 
Yeah. Does she say that? Wait, did she say that? Well, he says she calls him an adventurer. Yeah. And there's that, there's that picture of him with like the polar bear. Yeah, but she doesn't say he looks like Peter Falk. No. She oh. No, I'm saying. I'm <laughs> if saying. If two <laughs> people thought that's what you were saying, then it's no, no, no. no but just for the fact, like, like that he's buying it. Like, oh, a man that looks like that, totally an adventurer. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. it's clearly not who he is. It's, yeah. a, it's and a this ruse. Is, and this is post fucking Indiana Jones. So did they hire that's all these adventurers look like Chinese laborers to be like? Is it? Is it all part of their scheme? Are oh, they really? It's interesting. I don't know. Huh. I don't know. I, I wrote down the words Safari Columbo, just for the record. <laughs> Safari, <laughs> Columbo, Safari Columbo coming yeah. at to you in 2019. Safari Columbo, the Kel story. Who could place Columbo in a remake? Who's our, who's our, who's our now Columbo? Oh, shit. That's a very good question. Chris O'Donnell. Oh. Maybe just because I have Chris Matt O'Donnell. Matt Damon playing Will Hunting as playing Columbo. As Columbo. Yes. Oh, that'd be so. I'd what are you that. a fucking? You a fucking criminal, hey, I got dude? Another, hey, I got another. Fu- just one final fucking question. Here's right? one question for you. Um, you cool? You cool, bro? So he shows up. They meet for the first time. Arkin goes home, and he plays a family jam session. Yeah. Oh, I love the family jam. He's playing. The, well, but he also the tells the loot. kids. He also tells the kids first. Oh, the they piccolo. Have the, they have the kind of. Um, You're not going to Yale, and the kids are like, "We love you anyway." Oh yeah, that's actually a tough scene. It is a tough scene. Yeah. In the sense that it's, uh, yeah, well, it's not really as, tough as, as tough as the scene could be in this. I didn't really feel. <laughs> I didn't movie. feel all the feelings. But then they're family jamming, and then Blanche calls. Oh, and I she's love like, the family. Meet me at the. Wait, hold on. Fam Adam Arkin on the flute or the piccolo, or piccolo. whatever it is. Yeah. It was or the great. recorder was it a recorder? I think it was a piccolo. But I like that they. I'm still in shock. I like that they reference he was that he's a musician. I like that the, he's, he's like a like a musician oh, in the movie. Yeah. I thought Did that was a nice touch because his kids are all successful musicians and he's like mm. an insurance salesman that plays mm-hmm. instruments at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so a quiet little thing. So Beverly D'Angelo calls him. She's like, meet me at the drugstore the tomorrow. The Rexall. The what? The Rexall, I believe. Yeah, that's what the drugstore is yeah, called. Oh, oh, what's Rexall? Is, are they still I think it's, it's. Did it exist? Oh, that's a good question. Did they did they even exist? You guys said that with the confidence of people that were like, you've never heard of Rexall yeah. before? <laughs> no, of course. No, but they, like, they oh, say, it, they say it several times in the film. And then when she calls him um, a few scenes later in the office, she says that she's Miss Rexall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh. um, Omera's like, that's not a real name. Oh, my God, Kel, I totally missed that. Yeah. Huge pickup. Can we pause real quick and just say that there's uh, several scenes in the film that are early that are like single dolly camera push-ins with this really ridiculous music, and they're fucking oh. murder. They're <laughs> awful. What's what? It's Sorry, like... It's so, like, 80s sitcom. It is so... And I was... Yeah, no, that stood out to me, too. There's this. There's one where, like, Alan Arkin's, like, pulling in the driveway, and they're playing... Or maybe it's... He's, he's pulling in the house of... Um, Beverly D'Angelo and, and Peter Falk and uh, yeah it's playing and I was yeah. like is, is this the opening credits this, to, a, yeah. to a sitcom I think those scenes were already shot and they were like John the sorry sorry John sorry, <laughs> sorry you gonna or he was like fuck it let's I just do like, it <laughs> just like the idea like, like Peter Falk is off camera and whenever he's not on, on uh like the screen is like I'm sorry John John I'm sorry, John, just, I'm so I'm sorry. sorry. I know you're getting paid more money sorry, than you've John. ever been paid but for John, any project John, you've sorry. done before but and he I'm hates sorry, himself John. for it. he's like god damn it yeah, I'm casting these checks, but I fucking hate it. So there you go to the party store, and they have this long party drug store. Drug scene. store? What? Party store? Drugs. There drug was store? something in the store. There were they, party they supplies. They were buying party <laughs> supplies, so I wrote down party store. store, but it was a drug store. So this is, and this is where they concoct the plan, basically that. But there's she, such an gonna, awkward scene. Go ahead. She's gonna kill uh, Peter Falk. Right. Um, or the, but that he also like knows that's gonna happen because he's dying anyway, right? So the, the, the idea is that she tells Leonard. That my husband's in on it anyway. Right. He, he just mm-hmm. wants to kind of be surprised by it. Um, and she wants to buy 
a life insurance plan off of him that will pay the most money. And he's like, oh, there's this like ridiculous plan. It's called like the uh, I wrote it down. <laughs> something called like the uh, deluxe deluxe plan. Yeah, deluxe, it's deluxe plan, plan. Where basically it pays two point five million, but if uh, he falls off a train and dies, it pays five million. Right. It's like Did a you guys very do, specific. Do you guys have the inflation calculator for this one too? Doesn't what do you think it would have been? Ooh. Like definitely 5. Not, 5 million. Definitely not Bezos money, but yeah, maybe like 5.7. Bezos 7. bucks. <gasps> wait, do we start Guys, wait, do we have to have Bezos bucks? Ooh, it's going to happen soon. It's really scary. It's happening like tomorrow. Yeah. I know. Fuck. It's happening tomorrow. This podcast brought to you by Fuck Jeff Bezos. <laughs> by, by Bezo- and I may have watched this movie on Amazon Prime. <laughs> fuck, fuck Yale too. So they come you up know with where Jeff plan. Bezos went to college? What Yale. Yale. Oh, Did he see? really? No, 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 no. He went to Amazon University. <laughs> so Peter uh, Peter Fox shows up, and he's and Ellen's like, "You invited your husband?" He's, and she was like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna pick me up. Don't worry about it." Yeah, this is what it's Ooh, so. I, had, so I obvious that this is like I have very, a lot of questions yeah. for this Please. movie in general. How did she get to the drugstore if he's picking her up? She does not seem like the type to walk there. A uh, lift. Good, these are, these are Lif- oh, lift. Yeah. Like in 1986. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she could have taken a taxi cab. I guess she could have taken also, a taxi cab. Wait, where does this movie. take place? LA also. Sat movie. Because at one point, I looked it up. That's a good question. At one point, no, at one point, she says, I'll meet you in Cayuga, is oh. the name of the town oh, where the drugstore is. Like Ithaca? Cayuga. Cayuga Lake. Yeah, but no, Cayuga, something like that. But I looked it up. It's LA. The movie takes place in LA, oh, which I think is a really weird place for this movie to take place. Filmed in Phoenix? Was it? I thought that's what IMDb said. But Golden I think it's Phoenix also this is another LA, movie really kind of about middle class Los Angeles, which is like a woman I was under the I influence. was wondering about that. Yeah. I think it's LA. Because it, it felt yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just, it it felt like it was again, like just based based on your previous podcast episodes. Um, <laughs> it, it felt like it was similar to that. Yeah. That it was like interior life, middle class yeah, LA, no, which is like is not, what you, not what you get in LA movies. Well, that's the thing that I think that is, is really, is like really interesting. But then game. also, does it make it another, another connection to Die Hard? Ooh. Oh. Shared universe, shared cinematic universe. Shared this Die Hard cinematic universe. Course, yeah. yeah. DHCU. Just uh, no, but I think it is interesting that he did make another, I mean, uh, Faces is not a middle class movie, but, Woman under the influences. Woman under the influences. Yeah, um, love streams is not. Mm, not any. Well, more like Jenner Allen's character. Yeah, but is, he's like but weirdly he's wealthy. Of, he's weirdly wealthy. It's so fucking weird. This is the last movie this guy made. He clearly needed the money. Clearly needed the paycheck. Oh man, crazy to think. Whatever. Anyway, where'd we go next? Well, so and then Peter Falk like fakes having a heart attack. Yeah, he has a fa- and he's doing his, fa- his facial expressions. <laughs> so okay, at this point. Like I'm pretty sure that he's not dying. Like I feel yeah. like I've, I've he figured that out. Well, on his heart. Sherlock <laughs> right. Hell over here. Right, because like the the faces and stuff that happen when they're at his place, I'm like, okay, maybe those are the faces you make when you're in pain. Okay, cool. But in the drugstore, I'm like, no fucking way. This is totally. They're so absurd. They're so absurd. Yeah. They're but they're so absurd that it's like. I, I don't know. I feel like it's like take it down a notch so that like the peop- the other people involved actually believe it. But Alan Arkin's still game. Yeah. Did it's really you preposterous. Laugh? Like, did you laugh a lot during this film? I laughed a few times. I there were some outright moments where I laughed. Like, I thought there was really good. I was mostly at the end, though. 
yeah it's yeah. mostly the last scene i feel like i had to get to a certain point where i like felt <laughs> felt comfortable with what was happening at the yeah. beginning i felt like so uncomfortable with so many things that i was like i don't know what's going on it, the level of absurdity certainly increases yeah and i feel like once on. it starts getting i don't know the sorry jumping ahead but once they get to the like morgue scene i was like okay yeah. i'm done this is fucking ridiculous <laughs> not done in a bad way like i felt I like i could yeah. finally like enjoy you release it. your like in yeah, yeah yeah so then um alan arkin goes back home right and he watches a movie with his kids yeah. they're watching an action movie and the wife is like get the fuck out of the room right. but also her children are sitting on her legs did anyone else get yeah, that it was weird the bed, yeah. like part of why she's upset that they're in the bed is because like her like her legs are uncomfortable or something and i'm like why are you letting your teenage sons like literally sit on top of you like that doesn't sound like a good idea i do feel like there's a little bit unexplored with the mom in this movie because she's so like so crazed and anxious and you got to be like she's i mean like alan arkin shouts at her in the first scene for like he's like i yeah. can't figure it and he's like oh why are you yelling at your wife well even she like stares out the window for like a really long yeah, time and like you have no idea what she's looking at or like what's going no. on in her head i'm like there's a whole <laughs> yeah, there's movie a whole going movie on movie going on that and she's so good in that the would, movie it'd be amazing if cassavetes has like a hundred hours of film like somewhere in an archive and it's that the it's, john dillman sequel and, it, and it's the mom's like story oh man i, I want to do chantal ackerman but i don't think we have the time oh, what let's would, do what were the, what were the moms? Were okay, the but wait, wait. Can I also called? say that I misread the uh, synopsis for this movie, and I thought that she was going to try and kill Alan Arkin. <laughs> you read the synopsis for Big Trouble, Little China, was, and you were like, oh, <laughs> "Fuck you for going, going to that joke." Boom. No, but just I, same I, year, like, saw same like, year. Like wife, Whoa. insurance salesman, death, yeah. money, and she seemed so upset with him and so eager to get this money yeah. for her kids I think that she'd I was like. Kill him she's gonna off him uh-huh. and there's already an insurance plan in place because he's an insurance salesman so like everything's like all the ducks are in a row and then when you were like where's kurt russell why isn't he showing up yet it's like 45 minutes in yeah, i thought kim cattrall was in this like, movie what's going on where are the film? problematic depictions of asian characters oh wait there, 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 there was definitely that about, about 20 minutes. minutes before so then uh they set up so he goes um leonard goes the next day back to the house and this is where they're gonna like sign the paperwork. And he signed. He's sort of like very anxious. Yeah. This is when the Alan Arkin performance starts to fly off the rails. And this a is also when it's weird because again, if like, if Beverly D'Angelo said to Alan Arkin that Peter Falk knows he's gonna get killed, why is Alan Arkin like freaking out about him signing the paperwork? Because yeah. it seems like they're kind of trying to get one over on him. It's a bad movie. It's it was. It was weird. Out. It was confusing. But this is also where I got like one of my first legitimate laughs. Where after they sign the documents, right. Peter Falk offers him some sardine liqueur. And oh he, no! And he it's, drinks it's a it, great spit take. And he it goes on it for forty-five minutes, and his voice changes, and he's doing this weird kind of voice. Hello. Uh, 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 yeah, that's good. And it's—I was like, I was, this is like the first time I, like, I legitimately laughed. Well, what laugh. I appreciate about it—that also feels like a John Cassavetes movie, because in any other movie, you'd be like, do a spit take once, but John Cassavetes was like, spit take seven <laughs> times. But this is also another great line where, and obviously, it's absurd. Um, where Peter Fogg turns to like um, Alan <laughs> so Arkin good. and he's like, what kind of philosophy do you like, Leonard? Like, do you like philosophy? I like yeah, philosophy. That's right. He's Which, like, I like to keep things simple. He's yeah. like, I think Leonard <laughs> I like, and I could work well together. He's like, I like simple philosophy. And I was like, that that's also a very Cassavetes-esque line. That's true, it is. Yeah. So then, well, This movie's abound with Cassavetes. Yeah. Maybe because he directed it. Ooh, that's a very good Part of his... Great call. Kel left again. <laughs> I was like, I'll be making drinks in the other room. Um, where do we go next? Did you question. guys also notice that the sound in this movie is really bizarre? Like the footsteps all echo in a really weird way. 
like it's there was a lot of weird sounds. There were some some things I noticed definitely that like the uh like sound like specifically like sound effects like yes. footsteps and stuff it also like felt really were, off. They were a frame off, and so you're like, hrum, 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 and you're like, what did they record these sounds in like a cathedral? Yeah. Did they record this in the same cathedral that OK Computer was recorded Ooh. in? Ooh, deep cut, deep cut, deep cut. Uh, so White they, dude cut. They go back. <laughs> they go back to the office, right? Uh, and this is where uh, O'Mara, like the investigator, the insurance company, yeah. is like, you got somebody to sign. Like that, this like crazy, ridiculous yeah, agreement. Ridiculous. He's like, yeah, I don't know how it happened. That's that's when Miss. Wait, wait, sorry. What is the drugstore called? Rexall. Yeah, and then Rexall she calls him. Calls. Rex- and I, wait, can I say I really love Alan Arkin like pressed up against the That's, wall. I was an outlet laugh moment because it cut. You don't oh, see him, and then it cuts so to him, and he's good. like, "Yeah, yeah, totally." Like inches away from it. Yeah, <laughs> very. But funny. also, like, I don't. know. Yeah. So yeah, she calls him. Good physical at the comedy office. bit. There's some good. There's like there's, yeah. yeah, there's a couple. Especially towards the end. Um, so she calls him and she basically says like, oh, hey, so my husband, Peter Falk, is going away for an army reunion. He's going on a trip on a train. How convenient. Why is Alan Arkin not like alarm bells are ringing? It's like, so this is when we're going to do it. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 so dun. the plan also is, is dun, like, dun, to dun, murder. Dun. And this is also really fucking convoluted. Um, and obviously it makes sense later on. But the plan is to murder um, Peter Falk on the way to the train. Then get Arkin get, get on the train, get on the train and then dress drag the him, drag him in the car so it looks like he fell off the train, right? Oh, wait, is it, uh, does she drag him from the car? That's what no. they say they're going to do, I think. Oh, is really? that what she says? I missed that. And Maybe that's why I his face it. gets I could be up? wrong. It's very, yeah, it's very convoluted. So basically, the, Alan Arkin is supposed to get on the train pretend, dressed as Peter Falk. Right. Um, so that way there's corroboration that, in fact, he did get on the train, but they're going to murder him before he gets on the train. Right. So, so much to remember. So much to remember. Um, so then on the car ride over to the train station, Beverly D'Angelo with Alan Arkin in the car driving strangles Peter Falk. This also probably should have been a red flag. Oh, it should have been. Yeah. yeah. And this scene was actually I've never funny. choked anyone to death, but I think it takes yeah. more than 45 seconds. Yeah. yeah. It's only 855. He also <laughs> didn't put up much of a fight. <laughs> no, he did and not he's, put he's up doing much the face. His, his heart attack face. Yeah, his heart he's, attack face. He's doing the heart attack face. So, but this is also where I find it kind of funny because, like, Al, like Alan Arkin is kind of freaking out, and like Beverly D'Angelo said, like, said, like, oh yeah, did you not like hear like all the noises he was making? It was kind of like, oh, God, God. <laughs> it's like you at the very beginning of this episode. It was, yeah. and she and he's like, stop it, stop it. Um, he's like, I blocked that all out. Um, and then quickly, so Alan Arkin then gets on the train. He has a run in with what's this actor's name? Dooley. I looked it up. I forgot. Um, and Alan Arkin at some point, um, jumps off the train. He's been Paul spotted. Paul Dooley. Paul Dooley. He's been spotted. He jumps off the train and he meets up with Beverly D'Angelo, like at a certain kind of point. Uh, and they throw the body. They, they lay the body out. Yeah. And at this point also the body. But it's wrapped in a bag. The body in the body's face has been like mangled or right. destroyed, which becomes a very, very important <laughs> plot point. Right. Wait, 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 can I just say, though, Please. like, when they're actually investigating it, I was like, whatever happened to dental records? Yes. Oh, that's, oh, that's, that's a really a good, good point. point. Because yeah. it's really a lot of, like, sort of, like, um, master murder type movie situations. Mm-hmm. Like, that's one of you, they like... use the teeth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or, like, you somehow find some, like, obnoxious way to, like, yeah. fuck up the teeth or, like... If also, if only there was, like, a fingerprinting technology in 1986, but we all know that was invented 
1987. 1987. Just a year later. They actually. called it 1987, the year of the fingerprints. I didn't fingerprint. even think about fingerprints, but <laughs> <laughs> that's also a thing, right? They're like the only way we can possibly identify a human is by their face. By, by their face. Maybe we're the wrong by just audience looking. for this movie. By just gang. looking at them. Wait, wait, wait. But also, I there were so many like moments where I was like, like Alan Arkin, like what are you doing? Like yeah. do you So like the fact that the body so is moments. like wrapped so tightly yes. and like all this, like he's like like why did you do this but not like how did you do this and the, tw- the because if the train okay depending on how fast the train is going and how much traffic there is and traffic lights mm-hmm. it is entirely possible that she wouldn't even like meet yes. the train at the same yeah, time that's a really good yeah. point so how did she have and i i misunderstood the plan i thought part of like the plan was that she had to be there at the exact moment he got off the train which that wasn't actually really but necessary but it's kind of implied that she would be it's implied that she would be, and she she runs from the train station, right? right? So there's like this sense of urgency and all this stuff. So he never questions, though, the fact that this body is like so expertly wrapped and yeah. like the face is missing and that all of this happened in the time that it took her to drive there. <laughs> oh, the- and she arrived like 30 seconds after yeah. he jumped off yeah, the train. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also like, how, where does he know like when exactly to jump? It's so unclear. But the face stuff actually happens later. So he goes back home. He uh, watches the news report. He, he wa- well, first he tells his kids, like, you're going to Yale. You're going to Yale. Well, he goes and watches them sleep. And one yeah. wakes up and he's like, you're going. Yeah. Which um, is what my dad did. But it was up, to a state up, school. Psst, he was hey, like, you're, you're finally going to college. He woke up at 3 and 30 in the morning. He's like, psst, Liam, hey, fuck you. You're going to state college. Like dad, what are you doing? Why are you Why are you really like about that? Like, shut up, Liam. Wake up. Shut up. Wake up. Fuck you. Hey, hey, fuck you, I love you, fuck you. Shut the fuck up, you're going to stay. Dad, I haven't said anything. I said shut the fuck up. Shut up. It's late, okay, it's late. Shut up, you have to go back to sleep. Fuck you. Fuck you, fuck you, okay. You're going to stay. I thought you fuck you. I thought you were saying fuck you. I really thought it was fuck you. I was saying both. Hey, you. Fuck you. Fuck you. I really thought it was fuck you. So he turns on the TV and... So he goes back to that. He turns on the TV. And finds out that the body has been discovered. That news has been reported very quickly. It it's, has. It's only... At one point, like, she's like, it's 8.45 p.m. <laughs> she, yeah. she says it's, it's like It's a little later, but yeah, it's but like, very, very early. It's like, wow, you're home already? And this is when, she, when he finds out that the face... Of who he thinks is Peter Falk has been mutilated because he, then he goes and he calls right he calls Beverly D'Angelo and he's like what did you do to his face what did you do to yeah. his face um, and and at this point I wrote, I wrote a note clearly it's not him well but also did, Sherlock, did, that means that he doesn't actually Sherlock. unwrap the body no he never unwraps it which is so stupid yeah. yeah but also apparently dead bodies make him crave cream soda guys these these people are bad at crime they are oh yeah, are they he's talking about cream the soda I kind of like the cream soda thing because he's lying right he's not he doesn't actually want cream soda oh absolutely but I do like the idea like the idea that like there's something like instinctual but like I gotta have a cream I soda have a cream I just soda. did something real bad well then the wife is I like are you bad. having an affair and it's like there's no is one there else. someone else yeah. Leonard well, she's so, so there's so all good. these moments where she seems like outraged or like she's like jealous about the phone call but then she seems like he's like it was a wrong number and she seems like confused but like just lets it go yeah. like I was really intrigued by all of that too because she she comes into the scene with like such jealousy she's like standing by the phone while he's like taking the phone call and then she's right. just like okay and leaves i don't know there's a lot of like with with the cream soda thing too she like freaks out but then she there's never a scene afterwards where like they're talking about it again or like where she's 
examining. And then it cuts yeah. back into the house, and there's like just 25 minutes of her folding sheets, and she's like <laughs> slowly folding sheets. I thought she so, was chopping carrots, though. Well, no, I mean earlier in the day, chopping uh, she's carrots. making now she's folding a sheets. roast. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, is she making a roast, or is she really trying to liberate herself? Makes you think, doesn't oh, it? God. So then, um, next day, uh, we cut to the offices, right? And uh, yeah, and then Beverly D'Angelo's there. Right. She's there with her lawyer. And this is actually kind of like a funny scene, too. It's a great the, scene. The way it's actually good because the way it's shot. The lawyer, spoiler alert, is Peter it's Falk. Peter I feel like this is like one of the moments where I started really said. like the morgue, but also the scene like really sort of like picked up for me a little bit. Yeah. Can, we, we, we haven't said Peter Falk's character's name. Steve Ricky. Steve Ricky. Steve Ricky. No one is named yeah. Steve Ricky. This man is. Better believe it. An adventurer. Who looks like Peter Falk would be called Steve. So Ricky. the lawyer shows up because like five million dollars is a big payout. The lawyer is Peter Falk with Not a shaved head. Not if you have a podcast head. like this, by the way. With the side, is that a wig? Does yeah, he have a shaved head, or no, was it a ball cap? Wig. What do you mean? It's, it's a ball, skull, cap. ball cap. How quickly does his hair grow back that he shaves it? Then, like the next like two hours. Oh, later. that's right. That's right. <laughs> sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I didn't really pay attention to the continuity in 1986's Big Trouble. And he's Mr. Nagel. So then we. So this is also when like. Alan Arkin is like, oh, okay, totally. An like, hour 15 into a 90-minute movie, <laughs> Alan like, Arkin realizes something's wrong. Yeah, like, something is wrong. Something is rotten. And they agree that there has to be an autopsy. Right. On the body. Because Charles Durning, playing the investigator, is O'Mara, the investigator, is like, something fishy here. He's like, What's, what are the chances? What are the chances? Like, one in a million that... That your husband dies in this circumstance, like it's crazy. Like, like they don't believe it. They don't believe yeah, it. And basically, because you guys are lying. And everyone, um, everyone watching the movie is like, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. We knew that. It's called dramatic irony. You know what the uh, characters don't know. Okay, we're not. A, we're saying. not in class right now. <laughs> not in so, class. So <laughs> you guys read Hamlet. I don't know if you've heard of it. Hamlet. And they agree. By the way, so then the William agree. Shakespeare wrote it. And we didn't talk about Doctor Lopez. So there's an, an earlier reference to a Doctor Lopez, right? Um, as clearly the doctor who is like in cahoots with correct uh, the the Rickies, um, and this whole kind of thing, and they agree because he's on some sort of he's list vaguely like his interesting character. Yeah, so they're like, oh, okay, like Doctor Lopez will do the autopsy. Right, 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 right. Uh, and then they kind of like then they walk away, and Leonard and Steve Ricky. Played by Peter Falk, going yeah. to the bathroom. And Blanche have this scene where obviously they kind of uh, tell him like about the entire plan. And this is also where, uh, funny enough, he, he, um, he says like, "So okay, so you didn't die." And he's like, "No, obviously I didn't die." He's like, "But who's the corpse?" <laughs> oh, right. like, yeah. Like, did, they, did you kill someone? Yeah. And he goes, "No, I just stole a body from the morgue." Right, 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 right. Okay, but again, more questions I have. Did they take the face off the body after? The face. face off the body yeah do you think this yeah, is the no, movie the, that inspired nick cassavetes to be in face off oh, oh wow. clearly wow. we have to do an episode on face off and cal has to come this, back and be like guys you have to stop recommending these movies that is deep though you're right shared cinematic universe so this film shows a cinematic universe with face off and die hard die two hard. of the best action movies of all time wow so it is an important historical document it's really and important. cultural document but yeah i really wanted to know if they in fact took this man's face off and <laughs> If it sounds like they did, though, isn't it kind of? And like if they did, they then shouldn't body? he be a little bit worried about the people they're dealing yes, with? Yes, that's true. No longer are they just like bad criminals, but are they like legit psychopaths? Psychopaths, yes, <laughs> definitely possible. <laughs> and that sort of concerned me that he's like still in cahoots with them on some level and is like game for that. He needs that Yale money, though, Kel. 
<sighs> we haven't come back to the fact that yeah, all of this is to get his kids to go to like. It reminded uh, me a little know. bit of uh, Breaking Bad in the sense of kind of... <gasps> overrated. Oh, overrated. God. That's an overrated show. I've never seen it. So that's another okay. show where that maybe to come back to husbands earlier where it's uh, a lot of dude bros. George not included. Please, watch that you. show and they're like, this guy's so cool. Oh, and they the, like clearly the fan miss culture, the point. Yeah, no, the fan culture. That's enough well, for me to hate it really though. shitty. I don't think that's fair. There's though. a lot Star of Wars? shows like that at the same time though. Like what it's like Mad Men too of these like, yeah. oh, these broken men, but it's like so interesting and we like, like them anyway. Yeah. And it's, it is a husband sort of thing though, where it's like they're heroic in some sort of way. And they're like idolized when you're like, we're critiquing this. Like, do you not understand that this is supposed to be a critique on some level? Yeah. But it's also, again, it's a fucking critique on the American dream and mm-hmm. kind of on capitalism. and Breaking how, Bad. Yeah. Well, in this film as well, too. This film. Well, and yeah, I thought yeah. it was really interesting, like, how how much Alan Arkin's character gets, like, amped up. Like, as as it gets more ridiculous, like, he seems more game. Yeah. He becomes a very good villain. Yeah, criminal. No, you're right. That's you're a right. good totally. point. That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, which yeah. I that, like, you know. Kind of forgot that. Especially Like, the they're, end. like, ready to not to jump ahead but they're like ready to Do like it. blow up this fucking building and he's like we're doing it and you're like wait how did you get to like we're gonna scam this insurance company to like we're blowing up a fucking building I'm totally with them too i'm like fucking do it bro fucking destroy that fucking building and then I will get let's jump it. back because yeah. that's a big that's a, i feel like we're gonna occupy a lot of time with the so last 10 minutes because a lot happens in the last they go to the morgue and Dr. this doctor lopez dr lopez is doing it's like kind of has this preposterous accent I, I actually I'm going to put it out there. He kind of reminded me of Dr. Nick from The Simpsons. Uh, uh, very good. Well, I mean, you know, typically your corrupt doctors now remind you of Dr. Dr. Nick. Nick. It's, hard, it's hard to point. escape. But this is before The Simpsons. Uh, hi, everybody. Hi, yeah. Dr. Nick. The Simpsons has been on for all time. 30 years. All, no, but been. all time. Yeah. Like forever. Yeah, that's a good Ooh, point. Yeah. Like but the, this, the there was a pre-Simpsons time and Big Trouble is in it. I don't think so. It's true. <laughs> It's hard. No, I, I I totally get what Kel. It's was very saying. close, but I understand and your point. Way, yeah. yeah but this guy is kind of like a Doctor Nick. And the way it's difficult to envision uh, a world without capitalism, it's very difficult to envision a world without The Simpsons. It's it impossible. is impossible. It's impossible. So they show up to the morgue. Omara's there. Omara. I just Leonard. kind of lost myself for a second thinking That's about deep. a lot of different things. That's deep. That's so deep. Fuck you. So then they're. they're <laughs> hey Liam, it's your dad. Shh, shh, Liam. Fuck you. <laughs> what I do? <laughs> what I do? I'm here to fucking tell you. You go to the university in New Hampshire, it's affordable. It's gonna be great, great. Shlam, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Listen to me. All this kind of bullshit. Fuck it. Fuck hell. You. you really get my so dad. Then, <laughs> so then they go to the morgue. Um, they're going to, um, yeah, perform the autopsy. And they wheel out so what's stupid. supposed to be, yeah, what's supposed to be, you, you think is gonna be this. A homeless man's corpse that's, whose face has been mutilated. It's Peter Falk lying, lying on the slab, um, in makeup. A lot of makeup. Yeah, and Omero's like checking out the body, and he's asking, he's like, "Oh, he asks Doctor Lopez, so how did he die?" He's like, "Oh, broken neck from falling off." And then he's like, "You know what? I think this guy's alive. I think this guy's alive." Which also I have to give the movie credit for because it does take turns that I did not expect. Wait, can we rewind a second? Uh, yes, please do. <laughs> um, he's like examining the work of having sewn back on this man's oh, the face. face. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And which, first off, like. How is this even possible? Well, and like, where where did the face come from? Yeah, his penis. A lot, again, a lot of questions. No, the nose. But then, so yeah, the doctor <laughs> comments that his nose came from his penis, and Omera oh, seems like right. very eager to like look at his penis and confirm and this. 
And Isn't he does there look. a joke about like the nose rising or something like well, that? Yeah, Pinocchio. Yeah, he yeah, makes a joke right. about Pinocchio. But also, you, like, Pinocchio joke. It, it is supposed to be a joke in the movie too, because he does lift up the sheet to take right. a look, and then he like laughs, like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I get it." Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. But yeah, I that whole scene was a little bizarre too. Um. So then he tickled. So yeah, Omera's like, "No, he's he, you know you know what I think I think he's alive," and he starts tickling his uh foot. And, and Peter Falk laughs because who Falk. wouldn't laugh? Yeah, he but he makes his heart attack face. Did anyone else yeah, notice that? That's a good face. point. Um, that's a good point. Some people aren't, aren't ticklish uh, under their feet. I'm, I'm ticklish under my ticklish. feet. I definitely am, but yeah. I know Let's for a fact out. that other pause the podcast, <laughs> pause the podcast. For chips and tickle session. Everyone touched each other inappropriately. <laughs> so then... Minute 72. Tickle tickle festival. Yeah. Mental, mental note when recording with Liam next time. Make sure to tickle his feet. So they all wake up and like, oh shit, we have to kidnap this, so uh, sexy. this guy. That's clearly the logical solution. It is. And well, actually, I was like thinking Ch- like, Charles Durning, Omera, the, yeah, the insurance the investigator. Omera, yeah. And but in all honesty, I was like, why didn't they, did they never even mention the, the possibility of murdering him? I thought the first thing was going to be like, oh no, we have to kill him because Thank obviously you. he has an amateur over there. Sorry, sorry. George is like, hang on, I'm just doing a podcast. No big deal. <laughs> it's totally cool to just not put the mic in my face. This is my first time, and I figured it out, George. Yeah, so, it's like, really good. Come on, this is my, the, the, every time though is the first time for me. The first cut Times is the, the deepest. deepest, baby. I know. Damn straight. <laughs> I don't know. Cat Stevens doesn't say damn straight. <laughs> he says it all the time. Um, Do you guys know that Cat, Cat Stevens, Stevens song, Father and Son? Does. My favorite lyric in that song is when he goes, "Hey, son." Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. You're a fucking dickhead. You're, You're going, going to, college. to college. I'm not paying for it. You Fuck have you. to go to state college. So then we see them all in cards. It's uh, Beverly D'Angelo. Uh, Charles Durning tied up in the backseat. Tied seat. up in the backseat. Um, Leonard. And it's Peter a, Falk. And it's actually kind of a funny scene. So at some point they like pull over because Beverly D'Angelo is like, what the fuck are we doing? What's like? The Why do we step? kidnap this yeah. guy? And then they they pull over and there's like this really kind of like funny um, scene where Beverly D'Angelo is like, you know, she's talking to Peter Falk, her husband's like, this is all entirely your fault. And he's like, no, it's not. I was like, why are you blaming me for everything? And she's like, no, dude, you fucked up. You have no idea what you're doing. This is like not a minor snag. We really, really have like no fucking clue what we're doing. I um, mean, there's a really there's uh, a Dick Cavett joke in this. There's scene. a Dick Cavett, and there's a really good uh, comedy. She wants joke. to go do a community theater production yes. with Dick Cavett. Yeah. What a good joke. It was good. Kel, get on that mic. And Kel, you almost were just George. Oh, you, were like, you almost pulled yeah, the George. Am I the only goddamn broadcasting professional in this group? <laughs> Technically, Apparently. yes. Oh, that's a good point. And Technically, is a very good way to put it, and too. Leonard, and this is Technically, also, you do know how to do this. This is also where Leonard really starts losing it. Um, I really liked the physical humor in this scene as well, though, where he lays down in the middle of the highway or the road or oh, whatever, so and the semi like runs over him but doesn't actually touch him. Yeah, it's really it was good. also really beautiful. It's a really this is also in the scenes of the movie. You're like, what the fuck is happening in yeah. this movie? Yeah, yeah. And that's one another moment when you go, this is a John Cassavetes. This is a John Cassavetes production. So what all I know about John Cassavetes is Big Trouble and Husband. So just putting that out <laughs> what there. What an amazing and the Dick Cavett stuff and the Dick Cavett yeah. stuff. You're what an expert. A great. You should do a podcast like where you you now go through all the movies. We'll put it on the R network. I don't and know. Just be like, I it's just also it's also making me question my love of Peter Falk. Oh, a little bit. <gasps> a little bit. 
Oh, that's right. Because wait, can we play huge Wings of Desire? <sighs> Wings person, of Desire. Right? Yeah. yeah. Is so he good. in that? I'm just kidding, you guys. I'm just kidding. I was about to throw this. Hey, can we do a quick? Can we do, so George and I did this at one point. Fuck Mary, kill. Okay. John Cassavetes, Ben Gazzara, Peter Falk. Oh yeah, yeah. I did hear this. I actually was I was thinking about it she while like, I was listening to the <laughs> She's podcast. Like, murder, kill them. Could I murder them all? It's a tough one. From husbands, I can comment. I think. Okay. Um, I think we kill Ben Gazzara. Oh boy, that's fair. Um, that's actually the right answer, probably. Even even though he might he might be the gayest, but I'd still. Oh, I think he's definitely the gayest. But I still think I yeah, he's too closety. I don't think I can handle he's that. He's also like that's a fair. domestic abuser. He's a, he, yeah, like times ten. Well, well, can I, can I just say that, that film, I feel I mean. like part of that is the like the like rage of how I was viewing some of that is like the rage of like he can't be himself and yeah. like he doesn't know how to deal with it so he's yeah. like taking that out on his wife and like she's the problem because she's like some sort of like roadblock for him right so kill Gazzara kill Gazzara I think um, fuck Cassavetes and yeah. Mary Oof. Falk. I think that's is that where we yeah that makes sense I think, I think the correct to. answer outside of that movie is marry Jenna Rowlands Ooh, kill but all now of you're them. kill all of them. Now yeah. you're totally flipping the script, though. So anyway. then, uh, this is also great because this is the scene where Alan Arkin's like, "We should go rob his house," and yes. his house meaning Robert's, the home me, of Robert yes, Stack. My, my house, Robert. Wait, Stack's so house. I didn't, I didn't get that. That's what he meant. Uh, I was, I was surprised when Robert Stack showed up. Like I just thought they were going to rob. Well, a you kind of forget Robert Stack uh, is in the movie. I thought I thought he explicitly said though. Oh no, let's go to my boss's house. And I Peter might have Falk missed like, that. That's a great so idea. what I actually he looks thought, right thought in the was camera happening. Tell we're going to Robert Stack's <laughs> yeah. house. It was very specific. What I thought was happening was I thought that maybe the scheme is like so big that uh, Peter Falk and Beverly D'Angelo's house was actually not their own. Oh. And that they were like scamming that too, and had just like f- happened to like fill it with a portrait well, there of themselves. Is that scene to, like earlier yeah, where we, they they leave the that house. Scene. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that maybe because uh, maybe the exterior of the other house looks similar. They look similar. No, they do. Um, and so I thought maybe that was part of what was happening. And then I thought like they were like ro- robbing his house, but it wasn't his house because it was someone else's house. And then when Robert Stack showed up, I was like. Wait, what? So they go into the house and they're going through and they're like, okay, we're going to rob it. Yeah. And they come across the statue. And like, I was wondering if the statue had some kind of like sociopolitical comment. Like, I didn't know what the statue was. I was like, is that a famous statue? But I don't think I didn't. Was. I mean, I'm not. I don't like, think so. I don't know anything about that stuff. It does anything. Yeah. But they're like, oh, yeah, that's a Michelangelo. Or Peter Fogg is like, good eye. That's a Michelangelo. There's no Let's fucking way that guy has a Michelangelo. Of course not. So no. they, they grab it and those like, are in museums. They belong in museums. Oh, Indiana Jones. Yeah. yeah. So they're walking. Dun, 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 dun. So they're walking uh, out of the house with the statue, and then Ro- I, Robert Stack, come back home. And oh my God, Robert Stack is here. <laughs> apparently, they are alive or dead. Dead, right? So then they, um, Robert Stack and his wife show up, and apparently it's a surprise party. A surprise party. But the surprise party is happening, and they're on the stairs, and they're. Yeah. It's so cringeworthy. Yeah, it, and obviously then they see them in the shadows trying to like sneak out with this statue, and this is kind of funny too because Robert Stack's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> so like, uh, I clearly we're... stopped paying attention at this point because <laughs> I didn't realize it was a surprise party either. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, we're um, we're just like you know here, like hanging out," and they're, and Robert Stack's like, "Get the fuck out of my house, or else I'm gonna call you the police." You guys have to go. Yeah. And then he's like, put back the, the Michelangelo or like, leave it there. Um, did it also seem like to you folks, though? It seemed like he didn't recognize Leonard. Took At him first a minute. he didn't. Minute. Yeah. Because okay. he's kind of like in the shadows and he's like, who okay, are that, you? It just, it just seemed like he, I don't know, like, 
I sort of got the sense that it was more of a like you're so insignificant at my company that yeah. like, oh, I don't yeah. actually know who you are totally. sort of thing. But yeah. It would read, I mean, it, and that sort of makes sense. The other thing, I the, guess. the other movie that this reminded me, especially in its ending, Good Will Hunting. Office Space. <laughs> well, and, and of course, Good Will Hunting. Right, all movies are Good Will Hunting. Yeah, when they're not Office Space. Office Space. And I'll, maybe I'll, t- I'll say why at the end of, the, of our discussion. So then they get back in the car. Uh, and I don't know if this is a discussion. I'm keeping you guys in suspense. They get back in the car. And showmanship Alan Arkin is like You know what We should go fucking rob his office It's like And Peter Falk's like Yeah let's fucking do it So then they go to the office And this is again When the film takes Like another turn um, And they start trying To rob the vault And they're breaking Into the vault And then it's suddenly Out of nowhere Some dude shows up And it turns out That he is a member You say terrorist I say revolutionary I wrote anarchist Ooh You say anarchist I thought they were anarchists Terrorist uh, revolutionary. Get on that mic, Kel. I mean, Anarchist. sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm two being points, George. Two gen- uh, <laughs> George did it for a longer period of time. George was like, my name is George Fragopoulos. It's nice to finally meet you. Oh, am I supposed to be on the microphone? <laughs> hey, Liam, are we recording? Liam? Is this how I should hold my mic? Oh, my God. Liam? He has it in his pants. <laughs> it's in his pants. Hey, microphone. Hi-oh. So I was thinking thoughts? revolutionaries. I don't yeah. think anarchists, but oh. I was I was leaning away from terrorists for sure. I definitely didn't think terrorists. But also, they're such like a ragtag group. Yeah, totally. I love yeah, how they're they, not he, very Peter well Falk and he are staring staring at each <laughs> other. Also, also the dude is like, do you speak any language but English? Which I also really appreciated. Yeah. He was he was like French, Italian, yeah. Spanish. And it turns out that these uh gentlemen, these revolutionaries or anarchists, what have you. I want to blow up this building. Right. And obviously Peter Falk and uh, Leonard are against that because they're in the building. And hilarity ensues. They seem sort of for it, though. They sort of seemed like if we get our shit, you guys can blow it up. Yeah. And then Omero shows up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because Beverly D'Angelo lets him loose. This is a great little ending, this scene. Also, well, I mean. Don't well. Great in what way? Well, and the fact that like they spin it, I love that they spin it, and they're like, "No, oh, we saved it. the day." See, because I th- felt like that's where like the film really becomes reactionary. Well, I think it does become reactionary because it, I mean, he like literally saves a corporate bullshit company. That's, that's yeah, exactly but it's why, also yeah. clever in the sense of like that's probably how that would get spun. Well, they find their way out of trouble. So right. Basically, what happens? You know is, what kind of trouble? Oh, what kind? Big trouble. Whoa! Oh. Spoiler alert! Dun, dun, dun. So they, <laughs> they. Goodwill Hunting. Um, yeah, basically they foil the terrorists or the revolutionaries or anarchists. What anarchists, revolutionaries. Um, with Omero's help who comes into the building. Right. He runs, which is hilarious. He's a funny runner. Oh, wait, but so, <laughs> sorry. Um, the like machine gun fire that yes. he doesn't, he doesn't get hit at all. Right. Which I thought obviously. Was that was, and the last. sound was a little off on that. Yeah, too, it was really weird. It was me. like, Pew! although I did find that one scene funny where he comes across the first revolutionary. He's like, who are you? He's like, who are you? He goes, yeah. no, who are you? Yeah, who the fuck are you? Like, fuck who, who you. Are you? Start, this is yeah. the only time anyone says fuck in the movie. But I really like, appreciated you. that, though, and I was not expecting it. Well, it's it. very well saved. Because also, remember that some of the lower their breasts, like, who are you? I was like, shut the fuck up. Dad, is that you? Dad, I haven't seen you in 40 years. Why are you talking about State College? Shut the fuck up. Who are you? Fuck you. We're really beating this at the death. Yeah, who cares? So, so, um, but yeah, it's it's obviously played for laughs. Also, like the fact that they can't like shoot him or um, hit him at all. Uh, They really can't. And then the cops show up and uh, basically, yeah. And then the cops show up and they're like, oh, yeah. So you guys actually helped? And Omera's like, oh, yeah, actually. And I helped. Even though these guys have like been trying to commit crime for the last like 72 hours they actually tried to help 
I kind of felt like he said that partially so that they didn't end up killing him. Oh, like after the fact? Like yeah. He, he felt threatened oh, by Omera? Yeah. Oh. I felt like there wasn't so much a vibe of like, oh, they actually saved the day, even though all this other shit happened. It sort of felt like he still felt like worried for his life or like worried what was going to happen. Oh, I felt like I he was like that. propping them up to be like, get them off. Like, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I think that that makes sense. I get that. And then Robert Stack shows up and he's like, who do I think? Or he's like, how can I, you know, and they say like, oh, it's Leonard and, uh, uh, Steve, Steve Ricky, Steve, Steve Ricky, and yeah, and obviously Robert Sykes like, well, I'll do whatever you want, Leonard. Let me know, and obviously what it, it and Leonard was never seen and again. Leonard was never seen again. Um, I also and he asked for his kids to go to Yale. Yeah, I had a question. Another another unsolved mystery. Um, <gasps> the, it was definitely Bigfoot. I I never questioned it until um, Beverly D'Angelo's outside the and they're Marriott. in the building. But I also wondered again, like when I was wondering if their house was actually their house, I wondered if they were actually married. Did anyone else question that? Beverly D'Angelo and Peter, and Peter Falk. Falk. Oh, and Peter Falk. Steve Ricky and there. There's something about her interaction with the cop when the cops are going into the building Whoa. that just made me feel like, wait, are they even married? Did, what did she say something particular? She says something about like, oh yeah, my husband isn't, but something about the way she conveys it i don't know uh, just felt i had this moment where i was like so they're just are they even married they're just wow con people in cahoots yeah that's what they, i was kind of yeah, wondering good, yeah. well they do yeah that's a good question i mean i feel like there's nothing that would make you think like they're definitely husband and wife except for there's what they say n- and there's no sort of like physical affection between they them make out at one or point or like do they he kisses her yeah at some point okay. they do some deep there's some deep tongue in a little mm, i miss them maybe i, I blocked it, it out i'm still watching it <laughs> Hang on, let me just pull it up yeah. real quick. Oh, yeah. Cut back to um, you. Cut back to Alan Arkin's house, and uh, the mom is just kind of just looking at the uh, iPad. The, yeah, the iPad, just like 1986. Playing, all those iPads. Playing Candy Crush for 35 minutes. <laughs> they could really feel her ennui, her life slowly unraveling. Ennui. Um, and then yeah, and then the film ends with this um concert, which is maybe the I most John funeral, Cass- I think, it's a, here, but it's you a did say funeral, and I was a little confused. It's a long. It's a long. <laughs> I was like, you know, died. I wasn't even drunk back then. You weren't. I am now. This last scene might be the most John Cassavetti scene in the movie because it goes on forever. It, it does. does go on forever. Are you gonna go back with her? Oh, and this is also yeah. Talk about also like this like very kind of like queer moment in the film. If there is one, it's this. So basically, He's yeah, like, yeah. It's like, are Peter we gonna Falk go turns, adventure more? They're sitting next. Yeah, they're sitting next to each other. Not at this funeral, but at this concert. And Peter Falk is like, are you going back with your wife? Basically, yeah. Like, let's do, let's I do thought some we more were shit. gonna go. Maybe we should go to L.A. and make movies. Yeah. Well, but also earlier in the movie, um, I forgot about this, but just looking at my notes, Peter Falk says to Alan Arkin the second time he sees him, I was up all night dreaming of you or something oh, like that's that. that's right. Good, yeah, good catch. Like, yeah. So I also want to, yeah, bring it back to that too. Yeah. So he, Peter Falk's feeling something for him. He is. He's yeah, like he comes across at the, it's very, at the very end. And then like they kind of tussle, like Alan Arkin like goes after him. But then they hug. And then they and hug. And then everyone's hugging. And he, um, yeah, and Omera kisses, I think, Peter Falk. Like they all mm, kind of like reconcile on the cheek. And there's the, definitely, well, there's definitely some man cheek kissing. Man well, cheek. after he's like, are you going to go back together with her? There's like this very rant. Like she turns her seat away. The, uh, the mom, Alan Arkin's yeah. wife, t- um, the mom, uh, turns her seat away. And then all of a sudden she's turned back to them and they're kissing and holding hands. And it's like a very abrupt shift. And it feels like a very John, it's a, a very John Cassavetes thing to be like, oh, we're going to show them completely separated. And then we're going to show them together again. But there's no... There's nothing mm-hmm. in the narrative that, except for maybe the music and the sun's performing. Like that's the impress. Like there's the op- enough open space in that to be like, 
Why is there this sudden shift? Yeah. And a lot of that's over the credits, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it maybe the it's funny that John Cassavetes might have gotten in the only subversive e thing in the movie in those final few moments yeah. when the credits are playing, when the studio execs are like, "Cool, we like this movie. It's Everything over. ends, nor it's okay." So then, uh, the end. Yeah, the end. The uh, well, the end. So going back to my office space thing, I just felt much like office space kind of takes everything subversive in that film and then reverses in the last five minutes does this does office space it's been a long time yeah because again they tr- they're like gonna rip off the company and then they find out that they're like ripping off the company too well and like oh no we can't do this so let's give all the money back um oh, yeah, much like in, is weird much like in this film it had like the happy ending like it would have been amazing if somehow they could still get away like they could steal all that money or they can steal all that wealth and still get away and still blow up the building and whatever the case might be. So do you feel like but this movie... But to save the day in this very kind of traditional way. Reinforces like capitalistic values. Totally, yeah. Like the kids go to... And doesn't I think Robert Stack say something at the end about the kids going to like Yale and living up to their full potential? Some bullshit. Yeah, like there's that. something mm-hmm. like that. But I feel like it, the film sort of has to, right? I don't know. Like, I mean, it doesn't actually have to, but I'm just thinking about sort of like the... Uh, the time period and like the production company and like all this sort of stuff. Like if you made a film that like didn't uphold capitalist yeah. standards, like aren't we, I don't know. It would have been an even bigger flop. I don't know. Maybe it's also an interesting movie to think about. I mean, it's too weird of a movie to be a hit, but it's also kind of a mo- like one of the things we've talked about throughout the show is like, what are John Cassavetes politics? And I think in some ways mm-hmm. he's very, I think he's like maybe socially a bit, I don't know if he's conservative, but I think he's a little socially stuck in a time and in a way of mm-hmm. thinking. But I feel like his politics were probably pretty liberal or let's say left, left of center. I mean, he he's much more me. about collective community thinking than he is about like a, a kind of like corporate mentality. You know what I mean? I don't anti-corporate, know. Anti-corporate, but also... It's I hard to say he's anti-corporate. There's parts of he him... He definitely well, was because he made movies outside system. of a system, right? Yeah, but also some of the parts of his oeuvre dare i say that strike me also as potentially kind of like being like a libertarian ask about like this kind of overwhelming um i mean he distrusted valor- any yeah valoration of like the uh the individual any systems also you yeah. know he's a very much an individualist at the very least you could say he's an individualist yeah. well also but if he's so anti-studio and this is probably the most studio film he's done because he's taking on yeah. someone else's project gloria and, like, at least he wrote yeah yeah and the other two he wrote. He wrote Too Late Blues. He one wrote. of them, not the other one. Not he didn't write A Child waiting. Is Waiting. Yeah. But the but this one is feels like way more studio yeah. yeah. than those two. Well, those opening credits and the, the whole th- way that things... Design. The sitcom music. The sitcom music. Yeah. It's a little weird. I mean, it's also like... It's a, it's a sort of mythologizing to think he has to go out on a certain note. I mean, like, I've had conversations with people... Peter Rinaldi, who's listened to our show for a while, but he was like, "No, the last movie, the last movie that John Cassavetes made was Love Stream," which I agree with. Yeah, well, there, I mean, but I feel like there's other weird examples of like last films are like, um, I don't know, I'm, because I write about queer sailors, I'm thinking about Corel. Like, it's a horrible film, mm. um, and it's technically Fassbender's last film, but mm. it wasn't actually made by him. It was like, you know, really? like he he filmed it, but it wasn't. He filmed parts of it, maybe maybe all of it, but it wasn't edited by him. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, and it's sort of it's an it's kind of an that's awful like right film. before he died. <laughs> it's always it's an, after he died. Well, the it, it was com- released. After it he was died. released and like edited after he died. That's always unfortunate to kind of have that last kind of notable um, legacy like that. Be but a so that's what film. I was kind of thinking of. Like it's very different. Obviously, like it's still like in his wheelhouse. Like it's still mm. like crazy queer weird film. Um, but you know, sort of thinking that like maybe you don't have control over what your last film is. So do you feel like the the politics in the end are very retrograde? Yeah. 
Okay. Kel. That's all I wanted. Because <laughs> I feel like the, the, the introduction of the revolutionaries is like very exciting. Like I'm like, holy shit, this is about something I didn't expect it to be at all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're kind of like, okay, I guess that's... Well, because again, it's, it's the, the conventional thing of like, oh yeah, you should want your kids to go to Yale and you should be willing to right, do right, everything right, 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 to right. get your kids to go to Yale. Well, but also like, couldn't he have still wanted that and couldn't they have still blown up the building? Like, I feel like those exactly. things could have existed yeah. Yeah. together and movie. like, yeah, I think that would have been more interesting. Really but good. I also felt like that, like I knew that wasn't going to happen. Like I, I knew it was going to be busted, right? Like, yeah, yeah. all the criminality is, is geared towards trying to show how fucked up the system is so then to kind of not have any of their criminal kind of enterprises work out seems to suggest like no if you in fact just go along with the way in which the system is structured everything everything will work out yeah right so like just like the cops will save you just go along with the plan the revolutionaries are the bad guys don't worry about it so interesting within a within the cat like the cassavetes chronology the film took two years to be released so it might have been finished as early as 1984 because i believe it came out in 1986 and part of the issue was he fought the studio really hard on the editing and how that's really interesting like i think that he was very very i mean i think this was every studio movie he made but i think he was just like he disowned it like weeks before it came out in the press he was like fuck this movie yeah again which is a crazy way to (laughs) again there's like there's a cut somewhere that's just all about the mom Right, or there's a or there's a cut where the ending's different. Slowly, you know, there's a more subversive ending to the movie that maybe exists. I can't see Alan Arkin being like, "Yeah, good, good, good. I'm into this." But then also at some point, I also thought like, "Okay, they're obviously not going to blow up the building because like, what kind of budget do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 It's not that. Yeah, it was going to be like really bad special special effects, and you were going to see like a really small diorama like blow up. I'd love it. Yeah. So, Cal, which movie do which movie would you recommend? Husbands or Big Trouble? (laughs) Oh God. Or the Dickabit Show. Or, or the Dick Cavett show. Don't give through. her an out. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Mary Kill. This Busbins or the Dick Cavett show. Or Goodwill Hunting. Well, Mary Goodwill Hunting. Mary Goodwill Hunting. <gasps> That's and be the and name Fuck Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting podcast. Mary Goodwill Hunting. Cal. Um. Wait. So fuck Mary Kill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Husbands. Dick Cavett show episode. And uh, what? What is this that we watch? Big, Big Trouble. trouble. Big trouble. Uh, <laughs> Okay, definitely kill the Dick Cavett show. Wow. Um, it's just it's too wow. painful. Um, more than husbands. More than husbands. Wow. I don't know. I feel like I mean, it, there's like more, there's more nuance I than like husbands. The um, there is that moment. There's a little yeah. more depth and yeah. a little more nuance. Cassavetes calms down enough to say some interesting things. So I guess uh, fuck husbands and marry big. Trouble? I marry would, big trouble. I would marry big trouble too, but I think I would kill husbands and fuck Dick Cavett. Dick Cavett himself or the entire show? Sure. I'd marry yes. Beverly D'Angelo. <laughs> oh, always look always doing the out. I do you do you give the Um Kel, thank you so much for coming was, on and doing lovely. this thing. Thank you for having me. Would do you have anything you'd like to plug, tell us about? Where can we find your work? Ooh, good question. Um, so I make fabulous scenes about queer sailors, if that's your thing. And also some other ones about just film stuff in general. I have one about, um, Times Square and film specifically looking at, um, films that either talk about sex work or, um, there's also some stuff about, uh, like porn theaters in general and, uh, porn in Times Square. Um, and I have one about Sonny Corleone. Uh, um, Wait, what? Yeah. I can give you a copy, Liam, if you want. Please. Oh my god, I want um, all of the stuff. I, I love the one zine that you have where you print the uh, the letter from the uh, 
uh, like the print office that says, like, oh. oh, like we can't print your work. This is kind of rather like graphic in nature. Ooh, and Kel, Kel reprints it in one of her scenes. It's amazing. Yeah. Right. So if, if you need a selling point for, for my first scene, Queer Sailors number one, Oh Captain, My Captain. Uh, <laughs> Dead Poet Society. Also <laughs> Walt, Walt Whitman. Walt Whitman. <laughs> yeah. Who? I love Robin Williams' poetry. <laughs> in Goodwill Hunting? In Goodwill Hunting. Um, but the, the cover to the first one is is so explicit that it features a sailor at full mast, shall we say? And um, it was too explicit for staples. What's wrong with sailing? Specifically, <laughs> um, and staples so it turned you down. Staples turned me down because it was too Fuck explicit. You, you're like, cool. You have one store in New York City anymore, so I don't really know. Yeah, so I reprinted it with a local a local print shop and included the email that they sent me because it felt like a thing I needed to do. Um, so I have an Etsy shop. If folks are actually Ooh. interested in my crazy zines, um, it's hello there sailor dot etsy dot com. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you thanks, all. Kel. I'm Liam Billingham. I'm George Fragopoulos. And I'm Cal Karpinski. And this was... Oeuvre. Busters. Yeah. <laughs>